welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy that is heading up the Kurt Schilling for the Hall of Fame run here, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Well, I was very good before that comment. I think we just need to end the podcast now, so um, I need an apology real quick before we get started on that one, so... Oh, we're, we're ending yeah. the podcast. Okay. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest and beyond. Oh, oh wait, man. You just, you just besmirched me, man. I just, uh, <laughs> that's a deep, deep cut. Um, no, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed on this day. Um, I, uh, yeah, it was to say it was a rough series is absolute understatement. To say that it was a rough couple games was an understatement. It was, um, yeah, it was a rough couple, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday here. Um, so I'm feeling a little disappointed today. Um, but uh, other than that, um, I'm, you know, hanging in there. How are you doing? Same, same. It was some pretty, pretty tough baseball to watch. And, um, you know, the Mariners controlled their destiny and, I can't say all of it was their fault. You can't stop the umpire on Wednesday calling probably the worst game all season. It was the lowest rated game called by an umpire of all, like all the games called on Wednesday, but you know, that's out of their control, but you kind of got to over overcome. You got to adapt, you know? So that's where it kind of, kind of hurts. The Mariners were in control of their destiny. You know, they, they take two, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on Houston and they couldn't. And now they need a lot of help to get in the playoffs. It's still statistically possible. And we're going to go over some scenarios. You know, I, I think I pulled up the, uh, the tiebreaker situations. You know, there's still a chance the Mariners could win the division. It's just going to come down to them getting the sweep and Houston basically losing against Arizona losing at least two, if not getting swept. So just a rough day all around rough week so far for Mariners baseball. You know, you can, you can argue a lot of things right now. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I don't quite know. Um, I know that the sentiment right now is, um, there's a lot of sentiment right now that this, the, the season's over, right? There's a lot of, um, a lot of thought out there that this was kind of um, the way that this series went. And, you know, the, the phrase everybody wanted to put out there was what you said, though, they held that they held their fate in their own hands. And, you know, um, if that was the case and they very much squandered it. Right. Um, so I know the, the feeling is that it's likely over at this point. Um, I myself probably feel that way a little bit. Um, I think, I think, um, playoff tickets went on sale today and I did not purchase any today. So, um, there's that, but, um, I, uh, yeah. So I'm, I think just, uh, feeling a disappointment, feeling of it was just bad baseball, just entirely from the airs and I don't know, ugly things we saw with Hector Neris in the final game. And I don't know, Julio striking out a lot. And it was just, uh, it's tough to watch, man. It's tough to hurt. And it hurt a lot to just, really try to root for this team and feel like we just didn't did get what we wanted to. And, um, it's painful. It sucks. It, it is. It is. Before we get into everything, 
I want to come back to this, Bo, but, you know, i got to get this part in. Before we get into anything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. This is episode number 73. You know, if you're a returning listener that's been listening for a while, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, You know, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for choosing Forks Down, and hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. Regardless of how much more season there is, um, you know, Bo and I have some stuff planned for the offseason. You know, we're not just going to... Uh, go silent until next season. So um, we might take a little bit of time off, but you know, we, we will uh, cross that bridge when we approach it. Um, so if you haven't already go hit up our social media pages, you can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us on threads, just search forks down podcast. You can also hit like, and subscribe on your podcast listening apps. You'll get notified about new episodes dropping. Uh, you can rate us on there. Um, <clears throat> you know, giving us a five star helps us get up not the charts but it'll get us more visibility so um in their algorithm that they use at least on spotify um, i'm sure it's the same way with everything you know apple podcast google podcast um stuff like that so help us out there and we'll help you out by getting the best mariners content out possible so oh we don't have any mariners notes uh we're gonna hop right into the astros series (laughs) <laughs> Bo mistakenly put the Mariners versus the Rangers, which is not right. Um, I think you just used the the template from last time, so I won't blame you there, Bo. I won't blame you there. But um, I want to want to kind of go back to our conversation we were just having, and um, it we've said this a bunch personally between me and you, um, <clears throat> just because not only are we baseball fans, but uh, you know if if any of our listeners know us we're, we're wrestling fans and uh, a, a term there's two terms that get used um, a lot in wrestling um, you've got the face and you got the heel the face is the good guy he's the one that everyone's rooting for the heel is the guy that is the villain that that really um, comes out and wants you to boo him you know, that's his job make him hate you um, and, and the thing that we've said a bunch between each other, Bo, is um, the Astros really, really tried to be the best heel possible. Um, and we saw it kind of on full display throughout this whole series. Uh, Hector Neris, we're going to talk about it in Wednesday's game, <laughs> said something to Julio like, um, you know, from what I've been seeing, there was a, a homophobic slur that was directed at him, you know, um, you know, but, uh, I know you mentioned the other day that with the, the ad that they have on their Jersey for Oxy, which is a oil company, they're not helping their case. They want to be the bad guys. Um, yeah. And you know, the, the worst part about, um, the worst part about it is, um, that, wrestling is um wrestling is acting in a way right they're acting to be a heel they're not really trying to actively be a heel and be um you know the bad guy in real life and the astros um play that in real life the astros played to be the bad guy and you know if you've followed anything about the astros and the astros culture and everything that went on with the cheating scandal 
and um, you know some names for people to look up: Brandon Taupman, Jeff Lunau, um, the whole crock of them, right? Like the Astros have had a toxic culture for a long time on their team, in their organization, within their baseball operations department, and that bleeds down into the rest of the team, right? It was the reason that they thought they were going to get away with the with the trash banging. It's that they were entirely paranoid of all the other teams, despite all the hypocrisy of. They were getting upset at the Yankees and the Red Sox for stealing signs when they themselves were doing it the entire season and a little bit afterwards. They have a toxic culture and they've had a toxic culture from a long for a long time from top down and it bleeds into their players. And that's exactly what you see Hector Neris doing. It's exactly what you see Martin Maldonado chirping all the time. It's exactly what you saw the last time when we played Framber Valdez and he was hitting guys because he wasn't pitching good. They are a they have a toxic culture. They are not a. They are not somewhere you would want to go work. They are um, the heels of professional baseball, 100%, and they play it up. And it's uh, it's incredibly frustrating because um, we lose to them, and they're a team that just they don't deserve any sort of praise, right? It's a toxic culture. It's a toxic environment. Their baseball operations department has been for a long time, from the top down, from Jim Crane to everywhere. And for us to lose to them and not be able to take advantage of like we did, it, it it's really painful, man. It pains me a lot that we were, we could have been the ones to knock them out. We could have been the ones to get them out of the playoffs. And, um, it's seemingly looking like we didn't do that. So, um, so there, that's my, that's my spiel on the Astros. How did, how did, how did that sound? It sounded pretty good. It, it's, it's funny. Cause I, you, you said it bleeds down from the top down. But it bleeds into their fans. I don't know if you, <laughs> I, if I was you, I would have avoided it. I don't know if you hit up their Reddit, um, their Reddit page when uh, the game was going on, especially around the time that Hector Neris uh, was chirping at Julio, and all of them were placing the blame on the Mariners. And it's funny that that happens. Like, like it sucks. The other night, I think it was Monday's game. No, it was Tuesday's game. Munoz comes in and hits. Chaz McCormick in the back like looked like a kidney shot he it sounded loud like that sucks but suddenly you got fans going oh they're so toxic oh they they're always hitting us they need to they need to do something about this and then you pull up the stats and the Mariners since I think it was 2019 the Mariners have been hit almost double than they've been hit you know in series played against the Astros and Mariners. So it's like, it, it, they almost like to, to play the victim almost, you know, even though they know their crappy reputation, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, um, well, like I said, right. Like I said, it's from the top bottom. So it's, it's from the top down. Jim Crane has made that culture of the Astros. Jim Crane said he took no responsibility for everything that happened never took any responsibility for mm-hmm. what occurred. Right. Um, it's all external, right? Like you said, it's like you said, it bleeds down to their fans. It's always somebody else's fault or somebody else is doing it worse to us. It's all the, what about It's all about the, well, the Mariners hit us, you know, like everybody else hits us and they don't internalize anything. Right. It's if you've watched Andres Menounos at all this year, if you've looked up Andres Menounos' stats this year, you can tell Andres Menounos has had a little shaky command most of the year, right? Like this isn't hard to do, but because you are a victim and that's the mindset that you put yourself into, you're obviously going to do that regardless of what the outcome is or regardless of what the stats say. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to start with this topic because this is how much it sucks that we lost this week against them. Like, they are perpetually the bad guys forever. They could lose 100 games next season and they will still be the bad guys. And that's what makes these last three game series really tough for me to, to kind of swallow. You know, I, I, a few weeks ago, we were talking about kind of our emotions, how we can get over stuff. And this one's like really, really toying with my emotions. You know, like it's making it hard not to be mad about it, you know. And again, some of it was on the Mariners. We said it a few times. They're, 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 they're Destiny was in their full control. And now it's not, yeah. you know. But there's a lot of factors, also external factors, that the umpiring was not great. And yes, umpiring was not great for both sides. But, I mean, making some of those calls like uh, Larry Vanover did last night, Wednesday night, where the bases are loaded two outs and you're calling a ball that's five feet inside, it's like, Bro, like, can we catch a break? Can can something something happen that it goes our way? Uh, yeah, and it's it didn't really. I mean, at the start of the game, I would say things did seem like they were breaking a little bit, maybe in the Mariners' way with some of the stuff that Valdez was throwing. So I I I don't like. I would say he was bad. He was bad on. A lot of sides, and I know that I think the the Empire card had you know more runs for Houston, but um, you know also also like an eight to three win when Bryce Miller's just giving up home runs, right? Is you know the Empire didn't you know mystically magically add five runs for Houston either, so um, it's super difficult for me to be upset at the the Empire in this one because like we were gonna you know we we just didn't we weren't gonna really pull out five extra runs, but I get the sentiment it just added to. The disappointment, the frustration—it just seemed like um, nothing could really, I think, help us at this in this series, right? Um, besides, you know, yeah, the Astros playing very badly on Tuesday, and the only comfort I feel like I have at this point is like the Astros don't look like the team of old anymore. They look like a team that's aging. You know, guys are, um, you know, I think not picking up the bat as well anymore. You know, your Yordan did well this series, but Yordan's been injured. He's been off and on. Um, you know, certain guys aren't, I don't think playing as well as they formerly used to Jose Abreu seems like a bad sighting. So like the Astros don't seem like the Astros themselves much anymore. And I think that that's, you know, we can hold on to that and see what they end up being next year. And that's, that's great. But, um, yeah, it's still, uh, it still pains me, pains me a lot that, um, you know, we lost this way and we're, we're knocking on the door of, um, not, uh, not playing more baseball after Sunday. Let's hop into the game notes here, Bill. Uh, let's start with uh, Monday's game. We had Lapidra, Luis Castillo on the bump, taking on Justin Verlander. And Verlander came out victorious. It was a 5-1 win for the Astros. Uh, Verlander's 12th win of the season. Um, Castillo picked up the loss in this game. He's now 14-8 and on the season with a 320 ERA. Um I wouldn't say Castillo had necessarily had a bad night. He did give up eight hits, five runs, all five of them were earned, and two home runs. Um, but he he struck out eight and and you know tried to somewhat keep it close. 
you know, within his control. Um, you know, we're going to go over the Mariners batting and it's a stark contrast in this game to Wednesday's game because Wednesday, um, I think, I think you said it earlier to me off camera, but, um, Mariners had 13 left on base this game. They couldn't get anyone on base. Verlander was kind of dealing kind of, as you would so eloquently put it shoving. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's difficult for me to be mad at Luis in this one when we gave up when we were only able to get one run in this game. But um, yeah, I, I know that he struck out eight, but um, I feel like he's done this before where he's given up a number of home runs while also striking out a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting to a point where we're going to start reflecting on the season and Luis is kind of a mixed bag for me. I know like the stat lines, they look really good, but um, kind of feel like he's had some stinkers here, I think closer to the end of the year. And um, I wasn't super impressed with Luis in this game. Um, it just uh, the home run ball seems to be a little bit of a, it plagued the Mariners a lot in this series um, between Luis and Bryce. And um, I, I can't remember if there was a bullpen pitcher that gave up a home run, but um, yeah, just didn't think he was, didn't think he was that sharp in this one. Still had 13 swings and misses. Um, the velocity was actually up, I think on a lot of his pitches. So that was encouraging to see, but um, yeah, just, uh, giving up the long ball is, um, challenging, especially when your team's only going to score one run. Yep. Yep. And the, the rest of the pitching, the rest of the way didn't look too bad. Um, after Castillo, Trent Thornton came in for the seventh, gave up a hit, but didn't allow anyone to score. Sacedo came in for two thirds in the eighth, uh, had a base on ball, but, um, nothing came across and Leon, um, had a fine outing in this game one in the third inning did walk one but struck out two and and you know that was it from the pitching again it i wouldn't say it was necessarily all of the pitching's fault because the mariners just couldn't score runs you know mariners mariners mustered three hits on the day offensively um if you're looking at it josh Rowe has haas had two of them canzone had the other one so that's our eight nine hitter on the day Picking up the only three hits. Um, 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. 2 left on. You're not going to win ball games when that happens. Like, at all. Yeah, I I don't know what else much to say in this game, right? You go to the game notes and it's Verlander was just um, moving things right along, right? I think we had three, uh, three like swinging strikeouts on the second alone, right? From... Oscar from Jared from Eugenio and I think we had a same I think we had a repeat like three singing strikeouts I think in the fourth and Verlander just had our number and um I don't know any way to put it just uh yeah the offense looked the offense we've said this before the offense looked like an offense that we saw in uh you know pick a pick a random May game right that's what it kind of seemed like to me in this one yeah. Again, not much to talk about in that game, so we're moving on. Julio did ground in a, into a double play, too. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd put that note out because we're always keeping track of that. So, um, <clears throat> Tuesday's game, we had George Kirby on the bump, taking on Christian Javier, and Kirby picked up his 12th victory of the season. Um, for Javier, that was his fifth loss of the season. He picked up the loss in the game. Um, and you, I'm sure you're going to elaborate further, but, um, 
Kirby didn't give up any runs, only gave up five hits, struck out four, did walk one. Um, you know, out of the last few Kirby starts, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> I think it was Aaron was talking about this during the broadcast, but um, and it you know shows in the Savant page, but um. Yeah, this is a little bit different George Kirby, right? Very More sliders in this one. Um, more two-seamers, less four-seamers in this game. Um, but the velocity was up on all of them. And uh, yeah, I thought he was pretty effective, right? He got, uh, I think, five called strikes on the slider alone, a couple on the sinker, and you couple that with um, you know a total of, like, I think, 10 swings and misses in this one, and he was just pretty effective. And um, despite... Um, getting hit with an errant ball, um, I believe in the sixth inning, um, he was able to finish out the inning and, um, thought he was, I thought he was pretty effective and it was good to see. I think George, we had, you know, George since his last little sickness that he had, whatever has not really looked like himself, I would say. And this kind of felt a little bit more like the Kirby of old attacking some, you know, pitches high in the zone. And, um, yeah, I was happy to skip this performance out of George. It was wild to see him get hit by that ball for, for anyone that wasn't watching the game or, you know, it's just catching up uh, Kirby in the sixth inning uh, ball got put into the stands. I think it was a foul ball and someone threw it back, but threw it at Kirby. Uh, obviously the fan got ejected. Um, at first I thought it was his mom yelling at him, but um, from the sounds from the stadium, it sounded like, that was actually like one of the usher supervisor people. And she was just tearing into this kid. He couldn't have been older than maybe 20, but uh, uh, he was old enough to know better. That's the thing um, to do that thing. But what astounds me is Kirby kind of laughed it off. Like he, he was kind of confused at first, but he was even smirking by the end of that. And I'm like, that's uh that's not a side of Kirby. You really see, especially recently. Kirby's the type of person that um, you leave him alone in the dugout. You know, a lot of, a lot of times when they pan the camera into the dugout, he's sitting alone, doesn't want to be talked to. I don't think I've even seen him talk to anyone, you know, when he's not pitching. <laughs> like, it always just seems like he's hyper-focused. But, uh, you know, good on him to, to shake that off and get through the inning and, you know, no harm done and, you know, it attributed to the Mariners winning this game. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if the getting hit by the pitch contributed to winning the game, but yes, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was weird. It was a weird, again, weird series, weird things, weird things happened. And um, yeah, it felt like, it felt like chaos. Let's put it that way a little bit. So I wish we could have got some more chaos ball, which I guess we got a little bit on in this game, but um, yeah, just, uh, just very odd. Yep. You know why we didn't see any more chaos ball in this game or in this series in general is we didn't see Luis Torrens. Bo, you know what Luis Torrens' middle name uh, is? What is it, Rick? Tell me. It's it's well, it used to be clutch. It's also chaos. It's also chaos. It it's actually Luis Chaos Clutch Torrens. I I didn't know. I'm I'm glad I knew. I'm glad I know now. No, yeah. you've educated me. Well done. Yeah, the, Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to teach your young mind. <laughs> um, Look at the rest of the pitching staff here. Justin T Topa came in. Topa did not have a great outing. 
Um, he, I'm pretty sure he loaded the bases up with uh, two hits. Um, ended up getting charged with a run that Brash gave up when Brash came in. Um, but Brash ended up going two innings in Tuesday's game. Only gave up the one hit that led to the run that was attributed to Topa. Ended up being a hold, his 24th hold of the season. And had two strikeouts. And then Munoz, um, ninth inning comes in. We haven't seen him in what seems like 14 days. So I figured he'd have a little bit of rust. And he goes in the first batter and plunks McCormick right in the kidney. Um, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be the, or, you know, say that it, that doesn't suck for the Astros because it sounded like it hurt. You don't want to see anyone get hit like that, but, um, you know, is what it is. But Munoz, uh, I think gave up two hits, also one run, but, um, got out of it. And then, and the Mariners won six, two. So a little bit of a mixed bag from the, uh, bullpen in this game. They almost, uh, Almost wanted to give it away, especially towards the yeah, end. Yeah, and I, I think it was Isaiah Campbell was warming up in this game. I was like, I didn't quite know how to feel because I was kind of like, okay, well, we do have a lead, but Munoz is also like a little shaky, and maybe we put Campbell out there, but we also, like, if we lose this game, things are looking really, really bad. So, like, I guess the plan is to just throw your best relievers out there like we did and it ended up working out, but um, it, uh, yeah, I think even the hit off Jordan's bat at the end of the game was, was like, I was just thankful it landed in Julio's mitt because it was, um, yeah, it was getting a little, getting a little hairy there towards the end of the game. Yep. There, there was one. I don't, it wasn't off Jordan's bat. It was what, it was one of the ones that went out to tail. It was hit so hard that, that like Goldschmidt was like, and that's a blast. And I'm like, oh God, we just gave up another home run. And it didn't even hit the warning track. I was like, Aaron, what are you doing, man? Goldschmidt, what, what are you doing? Motions are high. Motions are high, man. Yep. Uh, oh, he, did you hear him? I think it was in Wednesday's game. Um, the, the umpire called time and motion like he was calling a buck on Javier. And Goldie's like, did he just call a buck? <laughs> and Blowers goes, no, no, he didn't. I- He's like, oh, oh, I thought he was. Uh, but um, getting back to Tuesday's game, uh, Goldie, Goldie, you know what? There's only one announcer right now that that I think might be a little better than Goldie. And that's the Braves announcer. Uh, I think his name's Hughes, Brandon Hughes. Can't remember what his name is. Like, if you ever got him and Goldie in the same uh, booth, it'd be gold. It would be, it would be top notch. Have to watch. Have to listen to television. So. Let's see if we can make it happen. I know, right? Maybe, maybe they can get a national broadcast together. That'd be cool. Like one of the ones from earlier in the season with the Houston Mariners game, like on Peacock, when they had Jeff Blum and uh, Dave Sims, and can't remember who the third was in the booth, but they had three of them. Really wild. Mariners Braves World Series. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, <clears throat> offensively, uh, the Mariners did get out hit by the Astros 8-10. to But, um, you know, again, it was enough for the Mariners to win the game. Julio went 0-2, uh, did have an RBI. Uh, Cal Raleigh went 2-3 for three with a run and an RBI. Um, Teo went 1-4. for four. Kelnick went 1-4. for four. Mike Ford went 1-2. for two. Ty France 
went two for four, had two runs, one RBI. The one RBI was a solo shot off of um, Ryan Stanek in the eighth to kind of, you know, give the Mariners some insurance runs. But, um, and Josh Rojas also had a hit. But uh, <laughs> looking at the stats, if you're just to look at the stats, it didn't look like there was a lot of offense, but it was just enough for the Mariners to to pull off the victory in this game. Yeah, I mean, continuing the trend of this being an odd series um yeah i mean the there were two balls that ended up i think in the dugout in this one right that ended up scoring runs for the mariners right so i think one was on an altuve air and i think the other one was on yeah i think they can yeah like they counted on kyle tucker but um yeah so like you know just kind of two two odd chaos ball things where it just ends up going into the into the dugout and we end up scoring some runs but um yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, the Mariners, you know, also scored and also had a number of just, you know, singles hits in this one, getting guys on base, at least putting those guys in those positions to score those runs when those errors happen. So um, it was a good, you know, feel good win. That's the way I would describe this, right? Like uh, it felt good because the Astros were just making a number of mistakes. The Astros just kind of looked a little lost. Um Javier, I don't think really pitched his best game. Did have a did you know did have the Mariners swing and a miss in a lot of pitches, but um, yeah, it was a really feel good game. Um, and you know, felt like some chaos ball of old. Um, and you know, gave you a lot of hope that we were going to be moving on into the to the next game fairly well. But um, you know, didn't quite didn't quite get there what we wanted to. So um, there you go. Two for six with runners in scoring position in this game. Six left on. Josh Rojas had his 12th stolen base of the season, and that is Tuesday's game. Looking at Wednesday's game, again, this was a rough one, 8-3 final. Kendall Graveman, former Mariner, picked uh, picked up the win in this one. Uh, Bryce Miller picked up the loss. Uh, Bryce Miller is now 8-7 on the season with a 4-3-2 ERA. Um, it started out hot, Bo. You know, Bryce Miller... I felt had a pretty good first inning and then bottom of the first Crawford comes up and uh, mashes a solo home run to lead off the game. And uh, how I felt at the start of the game certainly was not how I was feeling at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was a roller coaster of a game and not in terms of the score, obviously, but um, well, yeah, a lot of, a uh, lot of high emotions, like feeling very confident. Framber was, Framer was getting frustrated early and, you know, we had traffic on the bases and all of those innings, right. We had guys that were, were getting to Framber and we ended up scoring, you know, um, a run or two and, um, you know, couldn't really put it all together with, you know, even the pitching side in this one and, you know, probably should have had some more runs actually in a lot of those innings that Framber was on. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you've, you have it, I think in front of you, I think it was one for 13 with runners in scoring position. Correct. Um, and I, and I believe correct. Yep. Yeah. one for 13, 13 left on 13 left on. Yes. Is... Ties are ties are, uh, we only, there's only one game that was more than this. And that was against the white Sox back in, back in August, but that also went 10 innings. So for, uh, you know, nine inning game, this tied the, the season high in terms of left on base. Um, and it came at the most, the most pivotal game of the year. So um, very frustrating. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think we kind of have to talk about, um, you know, 
what we didn't get out of Julio in this game. I feel like it's going to be, um, you know, micro focused on the fact that Julio, I think struck out four times in this game, got the old gold golden Sombrero in the biggest game of the year. And, um, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on Julio Rodriguez striking out four times, Rick? What do you think about that? Uh, not great. Obviously that's kind of what makes the Naris situation like even worse to me is like he wasn't having a great game. So I don't know why he like went after him. Like he did um, the broadcast team. They went back through form like past games to see if like Naris and, and Julio have had a confrontation and you know, it was just kind of unwarranted, but it, um, not to take away from, you know, Julio having a bad game, but he just kind of seemed lost up there. You know, like I think two or three of those strikeouts, he struck out on three pitches and it just, he, something was wrong. Something was, he, his head wasn't in it. I don't know. It, it's hard to describe when watching it. You're just like, like watching going Julio's something's wrong with Julio. Like, just wasn't having it. Yeah. I mean, like, like we said numerous times and we should probably go back and look at it statistically, but, um, it just looked like, it looked like April Julio up there, right? It didn't look like the Julio that we've come to come to know over the month of August, the guy that's going to get MVP votes. Like it just didn't look like him at all. And, um, in the biggest game of the year, like the biggest game of the year when he had a lot of opportunities in this one. Yeah. We just need him. Right. And I know that he's know that he's young. I know that he's, um, you know, probably still maturing and still kind of coming into this role for being this, you know, superstar, whatever you want to call him. But, um, yeah, you, you need him, right? Like, I just don't know any other way to put it. You need him to come through those in those big moments. And, yes he's still growing i get it i get it but like when the mariners have very little superstar power you need a superstar to act like a superstar and it just um it just wasn't happening in the series and it wasn't happening really over the last you know month of baseball yeah yeah uh looking elsewhere in the offense uh like i said crawford had a home run a leadoff home run he went one for two uh, drew three walks. So again, that's, it kind of makes the whole Julio situation even worse because Crawford was getting on for him. Crawford was on base. He walked three times. So, uh, Gino went one for two. Uh, Demo went one for two. Kelnick went one for three. Uh, Ty, Cal, Haggerty, and Rojas all each picked up a hit as well. Um, that home run from JP, it was his 18th of the season. Um, yeah, not much other offensive stats here. Julio, Julio, how did he get on? He walked once. Julio did walk once and he ended up stealing third for his 37th stolen base of the season. Haggerty, I think it was a double steal, got his ninth stolen base of the season in that situation too. Um, and that was, that was the offense. Um, not not much else to talk about when talking about the offense uh, for Wednesday's game. Yeah, and uh, you know we could probably have the same conversation that we did about the lineup and the decisions made about 
the lineup in this one and you know should dylan Moore really have been batting fifth in this game and i don't know i feel like we've already kind of already had that conversation and it might just be futile because we you know jared kelnick batting fifth in this game isn't going to help the mariners score a five extra runs right i probably think there could have been some movements in the lineup a little bit but um yeah, still not still not much to talk on that front. That's different than before, and not too much to talk about uh, with the offense as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the pitching situation, um, really rough game to have to use five relievers, especially with the last four games of the season. You know, being against the Rangers at home. Uh, starting off with Bryce Miller. Bryce only went four innings, gave up six hits, four runs, all of them earned. Uh, Six of those hits were, or six of those hits, two of those six hits were home runs. Um, he had four Ks, one base on ball. Um, I'm not surprised he got pulled after the fourth. Um, you know, he gave up a home run to, he gave up two home runs in the fourth, one off of uh, the bat of Jordan. That was a solo shot. But the one that hurt even more was Mauricio Dubon's home run in the fourth with two on, the three run home run. Like, um, I, I get giving up a home run to Jordan, but Mauricio Dubon, that's like later when Maldonado got a home run. It's just like, those guys shouldn't be hitting home runs off of you, man. Yeah. And I was looking at it and I've, um, you know, Bryce Miller's sweeper, it, it only goes about 80 miles per hour or so. Um, and this one was just the one from Dubon. I'm trying to see which one he hit the home run off of, but um, I thought it was the sweeper. But um, uh, yeah, it was just it's just a slower sweeper, and there probably is a little bit of uh, concern on my mind there that it seems like Bryce Miller's pitches, besides his fastball, are kind of getting hit a little harder, right? Um, so you know, stuff for him to work on in the off season, but um, yeah, just didn't have didn't have this and we've seen him give up the home run ball before. And, um, like I said, um, like I said, numerous times before, going to have a lot of stuff for him to work on in the off season, but, um, you know, hopefully the, hopefully the home run ball is one of those and better placement of his pitches. But, um, you know, I'm very happy, you know, we're going to do a retro on the season. I'm still very, you know, happy Bryce Miller was able to kind of get to this point, you know, logged a lot of innings for the Mariners really helped us come in after, you know, um, Robbie Ray, Mark Gonzalez and the whole works. And I'm still happy about the season that Miller had just, uh, yeah, the end of the season was a little rough for him. So you struggle to see that, but, um, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's my book on Bryce Miller there. Yeah. Yeah. Bryce. I mean, Everyone, I mean, I know it's just from the Mariners broadcasters and stuff like that, but, you know, they still look at this season for Bryce Miller and Brian Wu as a success. Both of them came up from double A. Um, you know, Bryce wasn't having a great season, you know, after, as he came up from double A, but um, kind of turned around at the major league level. Yes, his ERA is currently 4-3-2, but um, he's had some good starts out there. He had a host, historic couple first starts which was cool to see, you know? So I, I wouldn't call this season, you know, not a success for these young guys. Um, and it, it puts the Mariners in a very precarious situation coming into next season. Cause you're going to have Robbie Ray return. I'm sure Marco's going to be coming back. Like, what do you do? You've got seven, 
starting pitchers. Like, what do you do? I, I don't know. I, there's not a, not a good answer for it. Um, not a good answer, but, um, I, I think of, I think that's a good problem to have. Like if you've followed the Tampa Bay Rays at all this year, I think more pitchers is, a definitely a better way to try to figure out things. So, um, but there is also the option of trading one of them in the off season, but Phil, that's a, it's a conversation probably for another day. So. I, I think so. I think so. Uh, just to close out the game and the pitching here, Spire went two thirds of an inning, um, gave up a hit and a base on balls. Topa came in uh, again, not a great series for Topa went one and two thirds, two hits, two runs, uh, one base on balls. Um, Brash came in for two thirds, uh, also gave up a run uh, off of three hits, had one strikeout. And then the eighth, the ninth were Trent For- Thornton and Dominic Leone. Thornton gave up a home run, uh, like we said, to Martin Maldonado. But Leone came in and I thought had a fairly decent outing. It's the second one in the row. So that's the ball game. That puts the Mariners in the position they're in now. Mariners must win at least three. Um, they just brought up uh, <clears throat> on the Mariners pregame show because we're shooting before the Mariners play. Shocking for tonight. Um, but the Rangers, to p- p- uh, clinch a postseason berth, they need to win one game. To clinch the AL crown, they have to win two games. So you would think, you know, if the Mariners, the Mariners need to at least win two. Okay. But you, you're probably banking on them needing to win three or even sweep the Rangers, you know, to, to get in the postseason because they're going to need a lot of help as Houston goes down to uh, Arizona to take on Tampa Bay. Yeah, and... Or, I said Tampa Bay. To Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks. Wow, that, that was, was terrible. That was, that, was hor- that was actually horrendous. I'm embarrassed. Um uh, <laughs> uh sorry uh yeah they gotta win they gotta win three out of four um you know gotta win th- at least three out of four against the rangers um there's a scenario where they could win two but then you're asking the diamondbacks to to sweep right um and um the other pitfall in that is that uh i believe um arizona is getting pretty close to closing up the 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 fifth seed or the kind of second wild card spot so the pitfall there is um you know if arizona clinches that sooner rather than later um you're talking about the b team getting put in probably likely against the astros so some uh some challenges there um and there is still an outside chance um with the with if the Yankees pull through that Toronto ends up losing a lot, but they are not Toronto's on top right now. So maybe a mute point here um, after Friday, but um, there are still some chances out there, right? Not mathematically eliminated, but um, you gotta, you gotta beat the Rangers, which is something the Mariners have had a real, real challenge of the entire season. And um, you got to play better baseball than you have most of the month of September. And that seems like that might be a real, real challenge right now as well. So um, a lot of challenges for the Mariners um, and uh, it's all kind of coming down to this. A lot of things that they got to overcome and a lot of help that they need from, um, you know, everybody else as well. It kind of stinks. Cause you know, when we did our, our 
previous episodes, one was where we ranked everyone in the AL, and the other one was looking at the Mariner schedule. Uh, I didn't have the Rangers pegged as being that much of a threat, you know? Uh, and it, it sucks that they're on their way to potentially winning the division, you know, because I still don't think they're a great baseball team by any means, but uh, I don't know. They were, I guess they were probably the most surprising out of the AL for me. Yeah, that would be the most, I would say, well, I would say, I don't, I don't know how surprising the Orioles are. The Orioles made a really good come on from last year. Right. But, um, yeah, certainly from where maybe our expectations were with the Rangers, they ended up being this way, but, um, and yeah, it's, you know, everything that the Mariners wanted, right. The Rangers kind of seemingly they're going to look like, like they're closing in on it in terms of the West crown and being the team that, you know, knocks out the Rangers from knocks out the Astros from being the AL West champion. So even that uh, stings a little bit there, but uh, yeah. Um, let me just run through the projected starters here for Thursday. We've got Logan Gilbert versus Jordan Montgomery. Um, Friday, it's Brian Wu versus Nathan Yavaldi. Um, then Saturday we have Luis Castillo and John Gray. And we wrap it up with George Kirby and it says Cody Bradford right now scheduled for the, for the um, Rangers. So um yeah, I'll, all these are must-watch to me. Um, I'm going to be rooting for Brian Wu, and hopefully he can kind of get, you know, close the season strong from, you know, everything that we've seen from him and, you know, get back against the Rangers. So I feel like I've had some of his number this year. So Brian will be the guy that I'm looking for there. But, I mean, end of the season here, all must-watch games, hopefully. And, you know, we've got to root for, I think, at least three out of four to put yourself in the best position to at least make some – some route into the playoffs there. So um, anybody you're particularly looking forward to in this one? No, I, I just want to see the Mariners win some ball games. That's right. Yeah. They're going to, the, the biggest test is going to be Wu versus Evaldi. Like that's going to be, he needs to get those, uh, those demons off his back and he needs to <laughs> win that ball game for us. So I don't know. I'm scared, Bo. I'm scared. We could, our next episode, Bo, could be our last one with regular season, or with, it's going to be the last one regardless, regular season Mariners, but could be no more baseball after Sunday. Correct. I, I think just the updated, right, is like they're probably trending to this maybe being our last Thursday episode, I would think right now. Um, you know, we'll check. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but I think that might be the plan, but we'll, uh, We'll see and we'll know more um, the next time we talk. So there you go. All right, Bo, let's uh, get into our final uh, segment here, Prospect Corner. And you just have an update on one of our minor league teams. So Bo, take it away. Yeah, I wish it was a better update, but um, Arkansas did fall in the Texas League Championship game to the Emerald Assad Poodles. they fell, name, uh, yes, way. nine to one to the sod poodles. Um, but you know, it was, um, you know, Arkansas, you know, had a good season. They had a lot of guys move in and out and, um, you know, Tyler Locklear made the jump and he was able to home run in this series. Um, he's somebody that I think we might talk about a little bit more come the off season. Um, and Leo, Leo, Leo Rivas, who we mentioned, I think in a recent prospect corner also homered in this, um, series in the game too. So, 
there were a couple guys that we mentioned that I think did a lot of good things. And, um, you know, I think it just bodes well for the future, whatever your team can at least make it this far in the playoffs like they did. Um, so good season for Arkansas, good season for the minor league system overall. And there is a real bright spot that I think we're going to discuss, you know, closer, cl- closer into the play into the off season. It's going to be that I think the minor league system has made big strides this year. And um, I think it's setting ourselves up for, for big things on the offensive side um, down the road. Um might be further down the road than we would want, but I think we've got a lot of good young offensive talent that's, I think, going to eventually really help this team in the future that we're going to dive deep into come the offseason. We've got we've got some shows planned, though, for this offseason. we got some fun ones, too. You know, uh, during the season, it's kind of hard to get the fun ones in there because, uh, you know, it's a lot of just recapping games and talking about what we see, but uh, the off season, you know, it, if you're a Mariners fan, definitely stick with us because we we tend to go a little bit more out there. You know, last I know my favorite episode from uh, last off season was our Christmas episode where we did trivia night between me and you. Good one. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to plan that one again. I'll have to get some more hard questions for you, harder questions. Be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Can't wait. <laughs> well you got anything else for the listeners before we get out i of here? think that's it for me richard yep. uh the last thing i'm going to end on here is go mariners regardless of what happens i'm still a fan well for all forever and always be a fan um i'm just hoping the baseball gods are in our favor these last four games i like it so whatever you got to do if you got to go uh sacrifice a goat uh uh give up your second born son or daughter um do it you know let's get these mariners to the playoffs so for all our listeners in the puget sound pacific northwest and beyond thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the forks down podcast for Bochism, i'm rick clark and we'll see you guys next week